Really good morning routines can set the tone for the whole day. In fact, we're talking today about an easy system that can set a truly engaged and exciting tone for the whole homeschool year. The wonderful Pam Barnhill is here to tell us all about morning baskets. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today I'm talking with Pam Barnhill about morning baskets. Pam Barnhill believes that you don't have to sacrifice relationships to homeschool strong. An award-winning educator, former journalist, and now homeschooling mom, she has a knack for breaking down big tasks into small, manageable steps and getting to the heart of the stories her listeners want to hear. She's the host of the popular podcast, Your Morning Basket, and the author of two homeschool books, Better Together, Strengthen Your Family, Simplify Your Homeschool, and Savor the Subjects That Matter Most, and Plan Your Year, Homeschool Planning for Purpose and Peace. Boy, do we need that. Pam lives in the Deep South with her husband of 27 years, three mostly awesome kids, and the dog dynamic duo. I love the sound of that. You can find Pam and all sorts of cool resources at pambarnhill.com. That's in the show notes, along with a couple of other links, but it's P-A-M-B-A-R-N-H-I-L-L.com. Just the way it sounds. Pam, thanks so much for making time in your busy day. We're so happy to have you with us today. Well, thanks, Lisa, so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, thank you. So start us off because I know lots of homeschoolers know you, but not everybody does. And we have a lot of brand new homeschoolers listening these days for all sorts of reasons. So would you step us into a little bit about how you got into homeschooling? Yeah, sure. I was a public school teacher for seven years. I actually taught high school journalism. Um, I had done some dabbling in journalism in college and right after college and ended up teaching and I uh, loved doing the yearbooks. And then I worked for the yearbook company for a few years until my daughter was born. And while I was doing that teaching, I spent a lot of time because I taught high school, I actually had two planning periods a day. And we did block scheduling. And so that was three hours a day that I was actually in the teacher workroom because our schools were cramped and overcrowded. We had inner city schools um, and they were very cramped and overcrowded. And so I could not stay in my classroom. I had to go into this teacher workroom for three hours a day. And it was just a revolving door of stories from these teachers who had been teaching for 25 and 30 years at that point. And it was this almost like a constant lament of the state of education those days and how much it had changed and how much they were having to teach to the test and um, how it was so different than what it had always been and how they thought it was such a disservice to kids. So I sat there for seven years listening to that. <laughs> and, um, you know, by, by the time I had kids, I was like, I don't think I want my children to participate. <laughs> um, and so that was really where the spark for homeschooling was born for us. It was that we did not want our kids to have to participate in the system that was only teaching to the test and not allowing teachers to really um, 
you know, pour into students with materials that the teachers loved and materials the students could love, but instead they were focusing on all this test. And so that's where it was, it was born for us. And, uh, you know, from there, it just kind of grew and grew. And, you know, at that point, we weren't Catholic at, at all. It wasn't until after we started homeschooling that we ended up converting. And, um, you know, it wasn't for religious purposes or anything like that. It was just we wanted to give our children more joy in education. And so that was where it started for us. And then, you know, grew, grew from there into lots of different reasons. And now we're very glad that they're home. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating. The whole journey is fascinating. And a couple of things that I just want to draw out for listeners is number one, the people who created the tests were now defining education. And of course, things have gone downhill from there, right? We've got all yeah. kinds of stuff that's happening in the public schools that we don't want for our kids. And we and a lot of people are asking themselves the questions now that they've been home with their kids and seen classes happening on Zoom. What do we want education to look like for our own? children. And so we really do get to now take out all those walls between the beloved teacher with a passion and the child, the person learning that, you know, learning to have that spark of love for learning. Um, and you integrate that in such creative ways in your homeschool, Pam. Yeah, we really try. And, you know, it's interesting because what I have discovered, the more I homeschool, the more I realize I'm kind of my biggest student. <laughs> Exactly. Sometimes I think I'm my best student. <laughs> and I, I'm certainly like the student who loves learning most of all, uh, you know, and I think my think my kids will grow into this appreciation one day as they get older. I certainly hope they do. But I am having such a good time learning right alongside my kids. And it's, um, you know, there's there's sanctification there. There's uh, so much going on, but just I'm so happy to be learning every day right alongside my kids. So mm -hmm. how neat that you're one of those people who's lit up and in love with learning so that whenever it catches hold of them in whatever unique ways that happens, they'll have had that example and that experience to kind of absorb. So tell us about what a morning basket is. Well, a morning basket, very simply put, is a time in your day when the entire family can come together and uh, learn together. And this idea, this practice way predates me. It's actually been around in the homeschool community for a number of years. Um, one of my mentors is Cindy Rollins, and she did a morning basket with her children, uh, goodness, 27 years before I ever started doing one. Um, and she actually called it morning time. And that was kind of the first place that I heard about it, the first name I heard it called, um, Jennifer McIntosh, uh, she blogs at Wildflowers and Marbles. She was the first person I ever really heard call it a morning basket. That was something that she did with her kids. And then uh, Kendra Fletcher is another homeschooling mom out on the West Coast who's been homeschooling, oh goodness, Kendra, don't get mad at me, but I think it's like 25, 26 years now. <laughs> and uh, one of the very first books I ever read on the practice was her uh, book on circle time. Um, she called it circle time. So it has lots of different names. Different families have called it different things through the years. And the most interesting thing to me about it is I'll start talking to somebody about this family learning time, bringing your entire family together to learn together. And some mom will say to me, 
oh my goodness, I've been doing this for six or seven years and I didn't even know it had a name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think as homeschool teachers, we seek this kind of efficiency of the one room schoolhouse and make for ourselves this little particular time of day um, to be more efficient. And, and we realize, hey, this is actually a really useful time. Not only can we be efficient, but we can also use this time to really start building those family relationships, spend a little time in wonder together, do a little bit of worship together. Um, so it's just a great time to come together for all those things. Mm, I love that, that you're coming before the Lord together. And as you said, wonder, that discovery sense of learning together. What other needs does it fill for the family, that coming together and learning? Well, you know, another thing that that kind of developed for me, and this was why I sought out this practice, it was actually an answer to a problem I was having was that, you know, before I started homeschooling, I was one of those crazy people that like had the whole spreadsheet and had all 12 years, you know, of the education laid out and which, you know, quickly went in the garbage about halfway through kindergarten for my oldest, right? Um but I had it all planned out and I was going to do all the things. I was going to sing the hymns and we were going to read the poems and we were going to memorize beautiful things and spend time learning all of the, you know, the stories of Shakespeare and um, all of these things we were going to do. And then when I actually got down to the brass tacks of homeschooling and started had, having to do like a couple of different phonics lessons and math for two different students and then, oh, you know, now we've got to uh, practice handwriting. The things that I wanted to do, these little bitty things were kind of getting lost in the big rocks of the uh, skill subjects of the day. And so if you take those little bitty things that you want to do and put them together in that basket, and I do have a literal basket, um, but if you take them together and put them in a basket and label them with a name, no matter what you call it, it gives them as much weight as those other things that you're doing. So then they're just as big and beefy as the phonics or the math are, and you actually make a time to do them in your day. So while you're kind of checking the boxes for the cornerstones of a well-rounded education that your kids need to succeed out there in the world, the morning basket provides a space for you to honor some particular family values, things that maybe are a little outside of the box or particular to your own family. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, our tagline uh, for the podcast and for the website is truth, goodness, and beauty for your homeschool day. And so that's what we like to focus on um, a lot of the times in a morning basket. Now, I do like to tell people, you know, our morning basket is not all pinkies up all the time. Um, <laughs> like Mad Libs was such a huge part of our morning basket for years and years because I had that little eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old boy who was getting a little too cool for school and didn't want to do the morning basket thing quite as much anymore. And so the way I roped him back in was like, okay, we're going to do dog Mad Libs. And, you know, then he was like, oh, I'm here for this. And so it's not all pinkies up, but we do really <laughs> try to focus on truth, goodness and beauty as much as we can. 
Yeah, I mean, when you have guiding principles like that, just as simple as that, we want something that's about truth, something that brings up goodness, something about beauty. And the thing is, what are some of the things that are good? Humor, imaginative playfulness. I mean, you can see how Mad Libs, as much as that might seem like to someone at first glance to be tacked on or a little bit of a, you know, kind of a allure to draw in that eight, nine, 10 year old boy, you still can kind of sneak in uh, a value for something that goes beyond pinkies up, as you said. Yeah, yeah. And and we do. I mean, we do that imaginative uh, play together and just laugh together so much. I think that's one of my favorite things about our morning time is that we do spend a lot of that time in conversation and a lot of that time just enjoying being together as a family. And now you're talking about a time where I have, my oldest is 16. I've got one who's 16, one who's 14 and one who's 12 right now. And so it's, you know, they're older and uh, we still enjoy it just as much as we did when they were, you know, seven, five and three. Wow. So I would like to hear what are some basics for kind of evaluating what will go into your morning basket? And then would you also, since this is such an intriguing point that you just brought up, give us an, an insight into how that morning basket evolves as the family grows and changes developmentally? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, to evaluate what goes into your morning basket, honestly, I think you put things in there that you enjoy and that your children enjoy. And so one of the things that I like to tell people, if you're starting this habit fresh, and I always talk about the 11 year old boy, you know, you, you're starting, you, oh, you hear this podcast and you think, oh, this is something I want to do. This is great. I'm going to do this with my kids. And then you turn around and there sits the 11 year old boy who really <laughs> just wants to get his math done and, you know, uh, get finished with everything so he can go outside and ride his bike or whatever the case may be. You got to put in things that, uh, hook them first with something they really enjoy. So if he is really into buildings, their architecture is a beautiful, wonderful thing to start studying in your morning basket. Start with, you know, pulling out uh, the books about the cathedrals or the castles or the pyramids and read those and look at those and really pull him in. Because if you start with Shakespeare, you know, you're probably going to struggle and flounder just a little bit and maybe Henry V, but you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so the first thing I say to do is look for things that each of your children will really enjoy and put those things in there first and kind of hook them in. If you've got, you know, somebody who loves music, put some music in. If you have somebody who loves jazz, there's nothing wrong with starting with jazz, um, but do those kinds of things. We did a study of movie music one year. Mm, and good. then once you've done that, then you put something in for mom. You know, you put in one of those things that you want to get to that you don't want to miss in your homeschool. And then you can gradually add more things. And that's the next tip is start small and build slow with this. Whatever it is you decide to put in, um, as you're putting in these things that you're enjoying, don't wake up Monday morning and say, well, we're going to have a full blown, you know, morning time like Pam Barnhill does, because my morning time sometimes stretches between an hour and a half to two hours. But we're used to that. If you try to plop that on your kids at this point, they're probably going to run screaming in the other direction and you're going to have a fight on your hands. So, you know, it's kind of like boiling a frog. 
what you want to do is add one or two things and let it build from there. And those principles are the same, whether you have older kids or younger kids. So when my children were younger, one of the ways that it looked very different than what it looks now is we were sitting at a table. Now, you know, we kind of flop on the couch. There's some mornings I actually have to nudge people with my foot to wake them up, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but when they were younger, we did it at the table. Now I had all of these dreams that we were going to, you know, light a fire in the fireplace and cuddle up on the couch and read books. But what really happened was that couch gymnastics were taking place and it was driving me crazy. (laughs) So I'm. I moved the morning basket to my table and gave them all something to do with their hands. So they were sitting there with Play-Doh. They were painting with watercolor brushes with water in the barrel. They were putting puzzles together right there on the floor at my side. Maybe they were doing magnetiles, uh, pattern blocks. They were really into whatever it was they were working on. And I was reading. We were singing hymns. We were reciting memory work. Um, you know, and it worked. Now we've kind of moved off to the couch because we start our day by um, watching some current events and um, we move on from there and it's all kind of reading. We still sing, but they're just kind of flopped on the couch while we do it. So. Oh, I love that. There's so many things that my brain is just popcorning because I can see the potential of this. You're inviting the Holy Spirit into what you do, starting in in praise and, you know, singing the hymns and and really being before the Lord at the beginning of your day. And I could just see how an interesting conversation about current events or the soundtrack to a movie and what that adds or how it tells the story might segue into, you know, even emotional intelligence. How did it make you feel or or what story would you like to tell when you hear this song and and it could segue into, like you said, the things that mom likes, you might throw in a classical, you know, some something really moody or interesting and ask them to tell a story based on that. I'm I'm just thinking aloud because what you set up here is something with the potential for you and your children to discover together what your exciting homeschool can look like. Yeah. And and we, we really do. We have such great conversations and we find little things that we enjoy. One of the things that we're enjoying right now is um, I'm going to get the the gentleman's name wrong. So I'll have to send it to you. It's like Theo Paponi or something like that, but the it's math poems in two voices. And so it's this little thin book of poems all about math. Today's was about operations, multiplying, subtracting, dividing, things like that. But you read them as a duet. And there are some lines that you read uh, where, you know, one person reads one line and one reads the other. There are sometimes you're reading the same words together. And then there are some times that you're talking over each other and creating kind of this tension or opposition. And the poems have been about fractals and operations and zero and things like that. And we take turns reading these poems and we've just had so much fun uh, with them. And it brings some of that beauty of mathematics into our day. Whereas, you know, most of the time when we look at math, it's like computation and you know, the, the thing we have to get done with so we can go play and stuff like that. But it, it kind of adds a, an extra dimension to our study of mathematics. 
Yeah. And I feel like sometimes people just adopt a bad attitude towards math, but if we can get playful with it or even theoretical or have fun with some kind of outside the box math, you know, it gives the children permission to feel differently about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, that, and that's one of the great things people say, well, how do you do math in morning time? And it's like, well, we don't really do math the normal way in morning time. I'm not trying to take all of my children and teach them math together. Cause you know, I actually have two who are in algebra and then I have one who's still finishing up elementary school math. And so th that's not possible. It is possible for us to play some games or stuff, but exploring the beauty, exploring the other side, that's, that's what we do there. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Fantastic. Could you describe some of the different kinds of baskets that you've created over the years? Well, I won't say that I've like, I don't typically create themed baskets. <laughs> um, I can tell you what we've got going on in ours right now, because um, we are recording this in December. And so uh, right now we are listening to a version of A Christmas Carol as we're leading up to Christmas, because if we don't do it now, we won't get it done uh, before the Christmas season. And then we also um, we're doing I don't know if you've heard of the app. Hello. Yes. Sure. Um, yeah, we're doing their Advent, their Pray 25 Advent. So that's how we start our day. We love Hallow. Okay. Typically, we do their daily saint. But right now, during Advent, we're doing the uh, the the Advent prayers. And then uh, recently at mass, they gave us this little book of um, it's called the mass in a minute, I think is the name of it. Hmm. And it's, it was uh, the author did radio shows where he explained different pieces of the mass in one minute chunks. And so each little section that you read takes about a minute to read. And we just got that one. So I'm, I'm like, this is perfect. It talks about all of the different parts and pieces of the mass, all of the things you see, all of the things you hear. And it's, you know, it's a great reminder because it's been a while since somebody went through, you know, first communion <laughs> um, preparation. And so it's like, oh, we're going to, we're going to do this. So we do that each day. Um, we are reading the lion, the witch and the wardrobe right now. So we're reading that particular book. Um, the math poems in two voices, and then our general memory work that we do. We use a program called Linguistic Development through Poetry Memorization. And then uh, my own particular membership, the Your Morning Basket membership, we send out texts every day. So you can sign up for different kinds of texts. And then I get a text on my phone that has uh, an activity that we can do along with a link to be able to do that activity so I just click that open and one day it may be a picture study. One day it may be something for us to listen to. It's all Advent and Christmas stuff right now. One day it may be an art project. We don't typically do those quite as much anymore as we used to. Um, but I take the ones that I want to do and I leave the ones that I don't. So that's kind of what our Advent basket is looking like. And then outside of that, you know, take, take out Christmas Carol and replace it with a history reading. And you pretty much have what we've been doing. Yeah. And and of course, everyone, by the time this airs, will be thinking about other things, you know, Lent and, <laughs> and then looking forward to Easter because we let's I'll just, you know, be transparent. We record a couple of months in advance. So but this is a great way for you to look at the structure of what Pam is doing. She plans a little bit ahead and she's able to kind of move with the liturgical year with her kids, too, along with the stuff that's just really interesting and fun or supplementary in some way. 
Yeah. Yeah. And yes, because so when Lent rolls around, take the text out, the daily Advent text, and it'll be a daily Lent text. And we'll have some (laughs) other reading or something that we're doing for Lent. So yeah, it the the morning basket is a wonderful place to follow along with that liturgical year. Um, And it's a great place to tuck in uh, mass readings, especially if you want to prepare for Sunday and get everybody prepared for Sunday. Like, I don't know why, but Thursday, it's a good day because Sometimes Friday gets dropped off, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but typically Thursday gets done with no field trips or anything like that on Thursday. So we could do it, but it's close enough that you still remember what you read on Sunday. So Mm, very very good. And and I would think too, it gives them a little chance to marinate on it. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Um, So we can find you at pambarnhill.com. Where else can we find you, Pam? I'm on Instagram. Uh, You can find me there, Your Morning Basket. Uh, YouTube, uh, we have two podcasts, uh, the Your Morning Basket podcast and the 10 Minutes to a Better Homeschool podcast. You can find those in your favorite podcast app or on YouTube. And then we're on Facebook as well at Your Morning Basket. Oh, fantastic. So any final thoughts to leave us with? Um, Some of us are brand new homeschoolers. Some of us been doing it a long time, but always eager for a fresh idea, a word of encouragement. (laughs) What would you like to leave our listeners with? Just know, uh, you know, one of the wonderful things about a morning basket is it allows you to take on the posture of a co-learner with your student. So you're modeling one of the most important things they're going to learn in in your homeschool. And that is how to be a lifelong learner, but it also takes some of the pressure off of you. You don't have to have all the answers. You can learn right alongside them and show what it looks like to, Oh, this is interesting. I wonder why this is this way. Let's go find out. Let's find a great book. Let's, you know, have a discussion. Let's dig in a little deeper to figure out what's going on here. And so, uh, you know, come alongside them, be a co-learner, model what it looks like and enjoy, enjoy your days, you know, uh, take some of the pressure off. Mm, Yeah. Thank you so much. Everybody find Pam again at pambarnhill.com and we'll have her social media links in the show notes as well. Can't thank you enough for making time in such a busy life, Pam. So good to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my joy. Everybody, thank you for tuning in and don't go away. Stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, everyone. My name is Chantal Howard with From Ideal to Real. I'm excited to be here with you for another episode where we dive into unpacking how you can make your homeschool dreams a reality. After all, we want to be amazing homeschool mothers and raise up children that are the saints of tomorrow. And so formation and education is so important. We want to ground them in history. We want to help ground them in solid facts in their math and their science, and most especially make them strong writers and individuals who can speak and articulate themselves well so that they can be a light and share the truth wherever they go. So today I wanted to offer you three simple tips that our family loves to use when it comes to making a impact in the lives of our kids with memory, 
memory work. It's one of the gifts of childhood is they are sponges and they enjoy so much the work of memorizing different facts, whether it's in science or history or in language. So uh, here are my three tips. My first tip for you is to let them voice record their own spelling words, their own memory work, and replay that memory work hearing their own voice. It's a fun task. First of all, they can read the spelling words and then give themselves a spelling test, or they can hear their dictation sentence, or they can hear their science memory sentence. This is a fun way to give them a feeling of being confident and capable, and they love to the opportunity to use the technology. Plus, there's something that happens when we get comfortable with hearing the sound of our own voice. It helps bolster confidence. The next tip I have for you is to use music. There is music around almost every subject matter that you can tolerate. Trust me, some of them are pretty ridiculous and a little bit cringy. But in most cases, if you do a little deeper digging, you can identify a jingle or a song to memorize just about anything, including scripture, including math facts, history, timeline, science facts, you name it. Our kids love memorizing work around music. And then my third tip, my final tip for you today is to let them perform. Lecture to the wall is a longstanding tradition where individuals who know that they need to remember content teach even to the wall. They teach back. And so my encouragement for you today is to let your children teach you and inspire them through quick inspiration and pop quizzes and, and catch them off guard and, and allow them to showcase their knowledge and to receive a little bit of a spotlight in turn so that they feel special. This will galvanize the nature of their memory and make it stronger in their mind so that they're more likely to retain that information. We know from neuroscience that it's through teaching that the mind remembers more than if it just hears it or writes it. So it's such a fun way to help your kids deepen their knowledge and build their confidence, especially around being solid, confident presenters. So those are three of the ways that we love to continue to expand our kids' confidence and increase their memory around all kinds of areas of knowledge. I hope this has been fun. I hope that you take some of them to heart. And of course, there's lots of curriculum that adopt these principles already, but you don't need a curriculum to do it. Just leverage whatever it is that you're already doing in these three simple ways. And I think you'll find that your kids have more fun learning, memorizing, and repeating and teaching you what it is they're learning. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Chantal Howard, and you can find me at Chantal-Howard.com. And I hope that you will come and join me again for another episode of From Ideal to Real. Take care. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.